0: This is Wayne. You know, I sometimes wonder when I'm introducing the show uh-huh. if people go, "Oh, oh, okay, so so Aaron's on, Paul's on, Wayne's on. Wait, where's Andrew? And do they the, 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 do we have Andrew loyalists who just you know like, fuck, Andrew's not on. I'm out of here. I don't know. I don't, is, know. Do I don't feel like thing? that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, except <laughs> the Andrew's mom, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah, because we know Paul's parents wa- listen, so. Yeah. If there were no right. Paul,
1: they wouldn't oh, listen. Oh, it's funny books with Aaron and not Paul. They'd be like, click. Oh, I, I think Big
0: Paul is all over the not Paul episodes. I <laughs> mean, he's like, yes, that, that twerpy <laughs> guy, Paul. I hate that guy. hate that guy.
1: I hate his voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and his stupid face. <laughs> Andrew and so, let's so, get out
1: of here. What are you even talking about? That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um, I've been watching The Terminal List on oh, Amazon
1: Prime. yes, yes. I'm,
0: I'm know, curious the, about this. I would like to watch it. The Chris Pratt, uh, you know, uh, plays a, a a a SEAL team commander. And Wayne, mm-hmm. you haven't seen this, have you? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I do want to take a moment to complain because that's sort of my brand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this show is shot so freaking dark, meaning Uh-oh. like... You know, they never turn a light on. It is super annoying. And they tamp down the brightness in daylight shots. I mean, this movie. It is so Hmm. super annoying. They will be in high noon Los Angeles, not a cloud in the sky. And it's so dimly lit on the screen. It drives me freaking crazy. And it's, you know, Terminalist is not the only show that does this. A lot of shows do this. I am just so tired of that. I would really like to see what the hell is going on. I'm, 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 this is just, I'm letting you know, Chris Pratt, because I know you're a listener. You're executive producer on this thing. I expect you to do better.
1: This just uh,
0: Chris. That's right. Turn a fucking light on. Drives me crazy. (laughs) I will also add, Chris Pratt, wildly miscast in this thing. Oh, really? He is. Yeah, I you know, I kept expecting him to be more like Reacher, you know, in the recent Prime Reacher series. Mm-hmm. Uh and I just have a hard time accepting that Chris Pratt is this battle-hardened SEAL commander, you know, I just he he just doesn't fit the profile to me. Yeah, he's jacked, you know. He's got he's he's got the muscles for it, but he just doesn't I I keep thinking of him as Star-Lord. <laughs> mm. You know, or, or the guy from Parks and Rec, I just I I'm, I I cannot force him into the image of a uh, seal commander. So. It kind
1: of sounds like you're describing me. Like you know, I'm Jack, uh, but you wouldn't uh, take you seriously yeah. as an ex seal or anything like that. I, Paul, I don't take you seriously as a podcaster, much less as a. <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I mean, I can't argue with anything you just said, really. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny you're, you're talking about the terminalist because I was on Prime last night and uh, I was shocked, Aaron. Shocked. Shocked. To see that um, they're not free, so don't get all excited, but that Jurassic World Dominion and Black Phone are already available digitally for purchase and rent.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I was like, whoa. I may have to watch that. Like, I feel like I just saw those a few weeks ago. Um, I, I have not seen the, the uh, most recent
1: Jurassic movie, so. Well, speaking of chris pratt there you go you can get your chris yeah. pratt so. see
0: and that's a chris pratt that i enjoy i like him in those i like mm-hmm. him in the guardians of the galaxy I, I like him in almost everything else i've ever seen him in he's just not this guy he is just not the the I'm, I'm grim and i'm gonna get you you know he's not that guy he's not charles bronson for crying out loud oh charles bronson especially <laughs> know, right?
2: after you've seen him in like comedic role
0: <laughs> well and even i mean he he. There is a brightness and joy to Chris Pratt that I think that is his brand. Mm-hmm. And when you when you put him in the grim and gritty show, it, he's just really hard to take in that role. You know, he's not Clint Eastwood. You right. know, and he shouldn't try to be. Well, there's so. two things that I and I, I appreciate liking. that he's trying to he's trying. Okay. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, you go.
1: I was going to change. I was well, going to talk just, about I just I else. think
0: that he should. Oh, okay. okay. I I just think that Chris Pratt. I'm not saying that he needs to stay in his lane, but he also needs to realize what that he needs to have a range in his performance and not just stay in the you know, grim and gritty space in his grim and gritty show. There needs to be there need to be elements of joy and brightness because that's the Chris Pratt we like, and we can I think as an audience enjoy you know a darker turn, but let's see glimpses of that other stuff prior to the turn as yeah. opposed to just being grimming throughout.
2: It's not that he should stay in his lane. It's just that he shouldn't have veered into oncoming traffic.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, he he, Chris Pratt is. I think to your point, Aaron. He not to be a jerk about it. I don't feel like Chris Pratt has much of a range. Chris Pratt has a character type that he is, excels at playing. <laughs> Outside of that. Uh-huh. You know, probably probably shouldn't accept those roles. And I appreciate that he's trying something different. But I mean, clearly, and this is not the first mm-hmm. time I've heard this or the first person I've heard it from. It's just, you know, not his jam. He'd play a great Starfleet captain. Yeah. But, you know, not so much. He a, would. A, a he would. tortured Exio with no humor. But, yeah. You know. No, I would be I would be down for him
0: in in a Star Trek show.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, out of those two movies, Jurassic World Dominion and Black Phone. I feel like the one that I would recommend is Black Phone. I did not care for Jurassic mm. World Dominion, um, and I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan, and I even like Jurassic World, not the right. second one, but I like the first Jurassic World. Um, but Black Phone I really enjoy, right. especially if you're kind of it's very Stephen King esque. It's written by his son, so you know they have a similar writing style. I don't think I know. I don't think I know anything about Black Phone. So Black Phone is um, written by Joe Hill. Um, or based on a book or novella or whatever, written by Joe Hill, um, directed by Scott Derrickson, who did Sinister and The First Doctor Strange. And Ethan Hawke basically plays a serial killer who kidnaps children. Um, But, I mean, there's, I don't want to spoil anything. But anyway, so the the whole point of the story, and this is all in the trailer, is that he kidnaps a child, and the child um, is helped by the ghosts of the previous victims, um, and so it's it's actually it's it's really it's it's good it's nice and creepy. It sounds scarier than it actually is. Um, it's more of a thriller, but I I actually quite enjoyed it. It sounds good. I, I'll, I'll check that out. I hadn't heard anything about Black Phone. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like it just came out in theaters like two or three weeks ago, um, but now it's available for six dollars <laughs> on your. Oh uh, no, I'm sorry. It's it's twenty dollars on your Amazon Prime. Um, you know, you you mentioned the, that is uh, uh, the a big list. difference. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of Joe Pickett? I've heard good well, things. I have. About it. I have. I
0: haven't. I haven't watched it yet, but I have heard
1: really good things about Joe Pickett. I feel like it's show. It's a show I'm not going to get to because <laughs> because of everything else. But I've heard good things. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of television shows, we are are big fans of these Star Wars shows. We've talked about Obi Wan and. Um, Mandalorian and all that on Disney plus well in the absence of having a star Wars show uh, currently, you know, we're waiting for, I think Andor is the next one to come out. Um, Disney or Marvel, I should say, has started releasing a Mandalorian comic book. Um, And, you know, it's, I was hesitant when I, when it was announced um, because it's not original tales set between the episodes or between the seasons. Um, it is literally adaptations of the first season. So there's eight episodes in the first season. There's eight issues of this comic series written by Rodney Barnes, art by, I, I honestly don't know how to pronounce it, Georgius Genti. Yeah. Um,
2: what I heard about the book, my first thought is, who is the audience for this? Who
1: would want that? And now I know the answer is Paul. Well, I thought I was. I thought I was the audience, you know, because it was one of those things. Like, I love the Mandalorian, and I, you know, I mean, I was like, eh, you know, that will be fun to to revisit it and see, you know, it in comic form, that kind of thing. Woof! <laughs> this comic was bad. Um, and you know, it's it's hard to say that because the first episode is is actually quite enjoyable of the Mandalorian, but the adaptation, it is, it heavily relies on the fact that you've seen the show because it makes no sense <laughs> otherwise um it's kind of like a series of scenes from the episode with no great cohesion or storytelling um it's 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 i would say it's a very bad adaptation and most adaptations of movies are bad and, and fall under the same trap right like they assume you've seen the movie so you'll fill in everything that they don't tell you in the comic or between the panels um that kind of thing and this is very much that and wow yeah, it, it's it's a terrible comic book, um, you know, even by adaptation
2: standards. You know, Paul, it feels extra weird because next week there's no Marvel or dis or Marvel or Star Wars show on Disney Plus. I, I don't think it. the next one comes until She-Hulk on August 17th.
1: Well, maybe I can take some time and finally watch that Star Wars Vision show that I hear is so good that I only ever saw the first episode of. Some of it is, some of it's not. Yeah, it's hit and miss. Yeah. But I've been wanting to watch it, so I, I say that like I'm actually going to watch it. Like, I don't have a shit ton of other stuff to watch like we were just talking yeah, about before the podcast. Just
0: so much.
1: There's <laughs> just so much stuff. But, Aaron, I have fully caught up on my Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I have seen Balance of Terror. I am ready for us to discuss that on our sister podcast, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Why isn't it our brother podcast? Why is it our sister podcast?
0: Why And why do we even have to assign gender roles to it, Paul? Can't it just be our sibling podcast and let the podcast itself decide how it's going to represent out there? I mean, what the hell, Paul? Fair. Why do you got to be so gender normative?
1: (laughs) Okay, good point. (laughs) (laughs) On our gender neutral sibling podcast, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, we will discuss the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds um, and look for that here in the next, uh, you know, whatever week or so. Yeah,
2: because, I mean, if it's anything, I would say brother podcast, because it is a couple of middle-aged white dudes.
0: Fair,
1: fair. I, I can't wow. really argue that
0: point to you. Wow. And now now Wayne's ageist. Thanks, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Just because we're in our 40s, Wayne, doesn't mean we're old.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm a middle-aged white dude myself. <laughs> I,
0: so, uh Speaking of middle aged white dudes, Fantastic Four came out this week. Uh, hey,
1: before you guys completing the reckoning. I wanna God, you that. I know, I know. God, but that. did you see the rumors <laughs> about um Fantastic Four this week? The movie? No. No. So, you know, obviously there's everybody in the world has been hoping that John Krasinski will be playing Mr. Fantastic when the movie actually comes out. Yeah. Um yeah
0: I, uh, I I I thought he was great in that yeah, Multiverse
1: too. of Madness. Yeah, and he looks he the part. But you know, the rumor is that they're courting Penn Badgley. Um I think that's I don't his know who name. That is. He is the lead actor in that TV series You. Um I don't know what that no, is. Oh no,
2: no, he'd be a horrible choice for both appearance and like I like
1: the show but I'm I, I, I'm familiar with the show. I've not seen it. It's 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 on Netflix Aaron. it's about like I think it's kind of like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing. Uh, basically, okay.
2: it it is about a psychopath who, the ultimate nice guy, in quotes, who, f- when he falls in love with someone, he obsessively stalks them and kills the people he needs to to make sure that he ends up with them. So just like okay. Paul.
1: Just like Mr. Fantastic. Except this guy is good at what he does. <laughs> yes, unlike Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's, yeah, well- that's the current rumor. I think that would be a
0: mistake when you've got so much goodwill about John Krasinski out there.
2: Yeah, right, but you he, know, he
0: looks the part and he's likable. And you know, Mr. Fantastic should be likable as well. I I just I think he I I I I thought that they did really well in Multiverse of Madness on that. Um but you know, I I I have often thought that a good a uh, good Mr. Fantastic on film and i know that he's already playing a role in the mcu but hey his character's in valhalla idris elba would be a good uh mr fantastic
1: i'd watch it yeah, yeah. but he's it, already Heindel, and he's in valhalla Just can't do it but, it, can't but he's dead it. he's dead so he can be reincarnated yeah. as mr fantastic is that what you're saying with an american accent
0: <laughs> of course because you know we, we've we've seen uh, we've seen Idris Elba do an American accent before in The Wire when he was playing Stringer Bell. So I would be I would be down for a Stringer Bell Mr. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, he would totally not just be saying. Heimdall because he has an he has an American
0: accent. That's not Heimdall. That's totally right. Different. That's right. And and he'd have graying temples, so that's important. So
1: and stretchy <laughs> arms.
0: Heimdall doesn't have stretchy arms or grain temples. So just fair, fair fair.
1: So speaking of Mr. So Fantastic, so we got
0: the the uh, wrap up to the. Yeah, we got the wrap up to the reckoning award this week in uh the current issue of the Fantastic Four, uh issue number forty five. Wayne would you think?
2: So I enjoyed the wrap up, but I also felt like there was a whole lot of let's take every big shocking moment we did and undo every single one of them. Yeah. But it's not that nothing. Yeah, changed. you know I mean they did they did make a few changes that will last in the long term, hopefully, but a whole lot of undoing things, yeah,
0: I agree, yeah, I agree. i the they took a lot of the drama out by uh, you know the the resolution to the reckoning war, spoilers on, you know the the watchers have been depowered with the exception of the Watu who is uh, back from the grave. Um, he, uh, you know, he has absorbed all the knowledge of all the what ifs, uh, from all the other watchers and all the other watchers are now, you know, sort of normal powered as opposed to being watcher powered. And, you know, they've lost their home world and they, they, they're being shuttled off to a new place to live. And so Uatu is sort of doing some final meddling to set things right before, you know, uh, uh, settling into his, you know, I'm only an observer sort of thing, which is nice. I mean, I like that, you know, the the Watcher is sort of, you know, back to his pre original sin status quo. But what I dislike is we were promised in Reckoning War that Reed Richards was going to die, right? That, you know, the the Watcher powers he absorbed, uh, you know, were killing him, and that he would be dead in a matter of hours. And of course, again, spoilers. When uh, he uses the ultimate nullifier, a watcher built weapon uh, to settle things at the end of the book, instead of wiping out Reed Richards as the ultimate nullifier should do, because the, the the rules on the ultimate nullifier is that it will take out whoever you need to take out. But it also takes out the user and what it did when uh, reed richards uses it is it kills all of the watcher energies in him but does not kill reed richards and i just i i did not feel like that was clever enough or as well executed as it needed to be because it just automatically puts reed richards you know back in a normative state and i just yeah i just super annoyed took yeah, the drama f- out of the book
2: i felt like i had his survival spoiled because there was another Marvel book that made a comment that it was after Reckoning War, and Reed was in it. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it was a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem with these crossovers, is that they, you know... The 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 Marvel brand is that all the books are happening at the same time, and so when you're reading another book and it's you know past you know the event and you see him wandering around, okay, well you know the guy who's supposed to die isn't going to die. And I mean, it's comics; you don't really expect him to be off the off the 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 stage for long. But it would have been nice to you know have that event and then get read back some other way. I just I was disappointed that it wasn't more. That we didn't get a a bigger stake. Now I'll tell you the the element of the book that really worked for me was the drama with Ben Grimm, you know, the Thing, and you know the elements earlier in in the uh, story where Reed manipulated him to you know get him to fight harder, you know, to think that his his family uh, was in jeopardy, uh, that they were dead. And then, you know, the the I, I love the reunion scene on the roof of the of the Baxter building in this book. Um, I, I just I really dug that. I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of those kinds of moments in the book. I It really kind of explains uh uh where Jack of Hearts came from, because I, I was having a continuity issue between what was going on in the She-Hulk book versus what was going on in Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, I. I felt that was really helpful, and I like how where we leave Doctor Doom in this series. I think on the whole, I wouldn't give this the when I, if I'm grading the Reckoning War. I think I'd give it a solid B plus. I think that it's I think it's on the most part very enjoyable. Um, I, I think that, uh, the story is, is well told for the most part, you know, but like most, you know, big events, it has difficulty sticking the landing, setting up, you know, stories, you know, the next phase of stories. Uh, but I think overall it was a successful. Yeah.
2: That's what I would say too. I think the performance was incredible, but it got a little bit shaky on the landing Yeah, and it does set up some interesting things if they follow up on it. We now have nine tenths of the universe is back. Because they established during this that everything we've known of the Marvel Universe is really only one-tenth of the universe because the rest had been destroyed – well, all of that is back. So they says there's going to be new gods, new cosmic
0: beings, new aliens. You know, it's funny with the you know expansion of the universe. It seems strangely timed to me with all of the James Webb telescope images coming out this week and how huge the fucking universe is. Just just in the little bit we can see. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, look, that's the new expanded Marvel universe. <laughs>
2: I also am looking forward to seeing what they do with Franklin. Yeah, what did he do to himself before coming back?
0: Other than making his hair permanently black? Yes. Yeah. I like the setup for Fury. Yeah, I was I, Yeah, I I agree. I think the uh, the Fury setup is interesting, and I hope they that Fury gets his hair
1: back. That would be nice. Yeah. So Paul, did you read Punisher this week? I did. Um, you know, Punisher. You know, I I think I talked a little bit about it that I struggled with issue two. Uh, because it felt like we were going down a path that I was not great with, with the Punisher. You know, it, it, it felt like it was moving away from the core concept of the Punisher, who was a character that came back. You know, he he had the, the capability, but he came back from Vietnam damaged, or I guess in the current Marvel universe, Iraq damaged and, you know, and the murder of his family kind of just set him off. And, you know, I, I feel like what what they're doing now is they're kind of establishing that Frank Castle was was always fucked up. Like he murdered a man when he was 11. Now, you know, and, and so I struggled a little bit with that in the in the second issue. But and we haven't talked about it since then. And that's why I'm we're going back there. But I feel like two things as it relates to the Punisher. One, they have very sufficiently um, explained it to me. <laughs> in a way that I am comfortable with in that, you know, one, yes, he he was, you know, his, his homicide was justifiable because the man was a murderer. And two, you know, and on top of that, that these elements that the hand has been, you know, grooming him since birth may be implanted memories. Um, Ares, you know, hints at that in, I think, issue three or four. Um, and on top of that, the You know, I I feel like Punisher is almost like that TV show that you want to binge watch but can't because it leaves you in such a dark place (laughs) after each episode. And you're like, ah, it's so good, but it's so dark that I don't know that I want to continue. And that's how Punisher feels to me. Every issue is so dark and so grim, but in a way that it's like I want more, but I don't. Um, And I will say issue four Probably my favorite issue yet uh, of the Punisher. Yeah, I, I think this was 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 a good book. I, I I'm having one problem, hmm. and
0: it's that you know there's this conflict set up between the Hand and the Cult of Ares, right? Yes. And Ares. Is very much, you know, I want Frank Castle back as a murdering son of a bitch. And you guys have tempered him. I don't like what you're doing. And I, I need him back because he is an agent of war. And really, it feels like the Hand wants the same thing. You know, they have they have pulled Frank Castle into their cult and made him, you know, a, a leading figure there. And in the process of how they've manipulated him, it's tempering. But they also want him back to being a murderous son of a bitch. And so I feel like Ares and the Archpriestess of the Hand are both aiming for the same goal. They're just, you know, not on the same page as to how to get there. And I, I see that and I'm like, I wish that the two of them would just kind of say, hey, look, we're trying to get there. <laughs> you okay. know, you just got to give me a little bit more time. Uh, and, of course, you know, the way she's gonna get there is that, you know, ultimately they're gonna they're gonna kill off Maria, you know, because maria, Frank's wife, has been resurrected. um and you know, I'm not sure she's real. Um, she may just be something that he's hallucinating, but uh, I something's gonna happen there, and you know that's gonna that's gonna you know trigger him mm-hmm. so I, I I just I'm really enjoying it. I, I agree with everything you said, uh, but the, my only struggle is with the conflict between the hand and the cult of Ares.
1: You know, for me, the, the Ares, I, I struggle with the Ares thing to begin with because, you know, I, I enjoyed when Ares was part of the adventures and he references it. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I just, that, that wasn't who I am. You know, now I've embraced being the God of war again. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's so 180 degrees different than the character yeah. he was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do think, you know, reading this issue, it's like, oh, we are building to the head of this story, to the climax. And it's like, no, no, this is a 12-issue storyline. We're yeah. only a third of the way in. So I think we may see a team up between the Cult of the Hand and Ares against the Punisher. I think that may be what we're actually building to because one of the – the, you know, spoiler warnings on one of the thing I things I really like about this issue, and this is why it's my favorite issue, is, you know – the Punisher has been seduced by the hand. They've been implanting memories in him. And, you know, in, in this issue, it kind of comes to a head in that, you know, the the hand has failed in trying to take down Ares and um, the head of the handle. And I don't remember the character's name, the, the lady, the old lady, Ar- the arch I think. is The arch priestess. Yeah. yeah. The arch priestess basically, you know, says these men failed, killed them. And Punisher's like, I'm not yeah. going to kill them. Like, we need as many men as possible. He's like, I need more people like me. And she go and she takes that to mean I'm going to right. kill their family while they watch. Right. And yeah. And he just loses his shit. And yeah. and in the next scene, you see him covered in blood. And He's like, Maria, we have to go now. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yes. This this was the you know I mean we're only again we're only a third of the way into the story, but that that felt like a turning point that I was like, shit, I want to see what comes yeah. next. Yeah, we got a GTFO. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I did I'm too. Sure.
0: I. I... I thought it was, a, it was a strong turn. You know, I, I think, yeah, I think there's, you know, the, and this is a little meta, but I think there's probably two ways in which this story is structured and it's first six versus back six. Yeah. And I think this was the turning point for the first six. I and agree. so it's I just think, say book I think,
1: one chapter four. So I, you know, I feel right. like maybe the second six will be book two. Right. Um, but one thing I will say, you know, the last thing I'll say on this book is Jesus Saiz or whatever, however yeah. you pronounce his name. That dude is just amazing. He is just amazing. Yeah, can I ask you
0: one question before we move on to the next book? Of um, so I was under the impression that the beast, you know, every time we were in the room with the beast,
1: was it an actual beast.
0: Right. I didn't realize that that was a statue.
1: Yeah, neither did and,
0: I. And and so. <laughs> and so i was like huh i i don't know what that means i don't know cuz it's not like his appearance changes right when aries is there but aries just seems to refer to it like this is just a totem it's not yeah. a living thing whereas I was under the impression that it was actually a living
1: thing. I was so, too, but you know, yeah. I'm very curious because I, I feel like that'll play out as well.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, granted, it has been in the same position each time, but the the you know, for lack of a better term, the camera angles are different each time we mm-hmm. see it, so it, it's giving the illusion of life, um, and it does seem to be emoting pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I was just a little surprised by that when Aries came in. Okay, I just want to make sure that, that I wasn't the only one who felt that. No, way. no, that,
1: that was a surprise to me,
0: too. I was like, oh, it's a statue. I always kind of yeah. thought it was a giant creature, but no. Same, same. A big Jabba the hut sized creature. Because <laughs> to Harry's point, looks like the only thing this thing can do is eat. <laughs> Dude, eat a salad. <laughs> you got me to eat a salad. Yeah. Well, I, I we're we're really enjoying the Punisher. I think Paul and I are yep. both on on the same side. So I gotta know, guys, what'd you think of Dark Crisis: World Without a Superman? I can go first world on without. this one. So I don't know what
2: I expected out of this book. I I think based on the name, I kind of expected we would see the world without Superman since he's supposed to be dead. And instead, I kind of get the impression this is what this is the reality that he's living in. Yeah. where they've been given their perfect world yeah this
1: is pariah this is you know and that's kind of revealed on the last page right that this is kind of a um whatever happened to the man of tomorrow kind of story where pariah has taken the justice League and put them in their perfect world and uh you know it's it's kind of revealed at the end that that's what what we what we've seen this whole time is yeah, Superman and- his his perfect world is one where he actually gets to watch John grow up versus John being you know taken away by um el and, you know, raised on a torture planet.
2: And I I really enjoy some of their interactions in the book, but I don't know. This is just like, if this is his perfect world, that's kind of screwed up because it's a world in which Darkseid rules the rest of the universe and he's just ignoring it. And he himself looks old with the, the white hair Versus Lois doesn't look like she's aged a day.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, of course. That's how his perfect world should work. (laughs) The older he gets, they stay the same age. And why does Jonathan
2: constantly cuss? (laughs) So, I don't know. I did enjoy the story, but it
0: just... I had issues. Well, and why is Jonathan dressed like Robin? That's what I... I was like, okay, it seems like there would be a reason why jonathan is emulating robin and there's never a clue in the book as to why that is yeah and he
2: even calls himself superboy while dressed as robin
1: yeah yeah maybe as no no a sense, robin man. king I <laughs> or, <I> mean, <laughs> I, it's, like why maybe he's jealous of bruce well and i don't think it's because it's never in i don't know that they've ever and, and you guys maybe correct me if i'm wrong there's no reference to anyone else in the justice league no in right in this book yeah. Correct. Um so I'm kind of feeling like perhaps this is a world where it's only Superman and yeah, there and
2: is Justice League. I kinda got that impression too with the backup story of Aquaman that in well, each I of did. their worlds there is no Justice League. Oh, so the it's all about them. Yeah, no other heroes.
0: Well, I sure did not enjoy the Aquaman backups book. Ooh, me either. It was no. beautifully drawn. It was beautifully drawn, but man, it uh, this I, I just was not grabbed by the story at all.
1: It Black. was um I don't know, it was very confusing. It was it was yeah, it was overly I don't know, it was just overly busy for yeah, not it, a very well, complicated story. And if one
2: character is going to be the one to realize that they're in a fake world, why is it Aquaman? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and and I felt like the story was just unnecessary. It was a it was a wild tonal shift from the Superman book that I really felt like was pretty complete. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was very satisfied with the Superman story. I mean, despite the issues that that we've called out, I thought it was I thought it was a good one off. Right. I, I thought it was an entertaining story. And I particularly love Jonathan's little super cycle. And I was like, OK, I need that. <laughs> right. toy. When do I, I get that toy. that toy? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and I love that. You know, OK. You can ride your your new uh, super bike around the planet, but you cannot leave orbit.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, now that we're talking about that super bike. Um, just quick side note. Uh, McFarlane Toys announced this week that they are relaunching the superpowers line. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think the first figures revealed I know there was Superman, Batman, um, a couple of villains, I think. Yeah. And but, the Batwing and Superman ship. The Batwing and Supermanship and I'm like, oh. That is God. the Supermobile. That that is the Supermobile. Supermobile.
0: Made out of what? Supermanium. Supermanium. Uh, I
1: can't Supermanium. I can't tell you how much because Superpowers is what I grew up with, that action That's figure right. on. Yeah. I I feel like I'm going to regret starting to buy them, but I feel like I can't <laughs> resist buying them because they have the they they have the original box art, you know, the the blue colors and the superpowers logo, and I just I adore it. Oh, Dark Side. Dark Side is another one of the figures. Yeah. Um, and, but with like the modern O-Mac. design, not like the 80s. It's not like the old Kirby design. Well, I got to have that. Got to yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I will definitely be picking up at least a Superman out of that. I'll probably get the first run. run. I'll get the Superman. I'll get the Dark Side, I'll get the Batman, the Batwing, and the Super Cycle. I will then, never buy an OMAC figure. I OMAC? Hate O-Mac. That's, yeah. That's
0: because we're going to gift it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we, we so we had the end of the uh, this one shot with Superman in his perfect world. But Wayne, I got to ask you, what did you think of that uh, wrap up of this season's Superman and Lois? I enjoy I thought it I thought it hit the landing with some
2: weirdness, though. I'm I just love the whole uh, Bizarro World storyline. I love seeing the square world. And then we get to see in that episode, the square world and the circle world have merged. So it makes like a square world with dots on the sides, Mm -hmm. like one of those uh, fidget cubes.
0: It never occurred to me that they would be able to tell a compelling, bizarro world story because that's hard enough to do in the comics. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I thought that this season was extraordinarily strong. Um, I think I think they they have really figured out and don't get me wrong. I feel like they figured it out early on uh, in season one, but they have figured out how to tell these Superman stories. And and I just I, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoy I have enjoyed the uh, relationship with Lana and her family. Um, I'm enjoying the boys. I'm enjoying Lois and Clark. I just I, I think this is just a great show. And, you know, Natalie and John. Uh, are just terrific in this. I I enjoy the relationship with his brother, um, you know, Superman's brother. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really real. getting a kick out of the show.
2: Yeah. So one of the things I thought was ironic at the, uh, near the end, he creates the new fortress that is the fortress for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Just at, out in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. They live yeah. in Kansas. They live in Smallville, yeah. Kansas. To yeah. get there, Lois or John would have to fly to like, You know, the coast and get on a boat to get there. But no, this is the fortress for the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the fortress for the two that fly.
0: Well, and I I just I want to know what that does to, you know, naval shipping lines. (laughs) You (laughs) know, I mean, who who's going to be the first one to run into the to the fortress? Right. I I just I I feel like there there are, uh, you know, some issues that will come up. I mean, what are world governments going to say about this thing just suddenly appearing out out in the Mm -hmm. middle of the ocean?
2: Well, and they did with a line clarify something that this is not the Arrowverse world. This is a world where Superman is their only hero. It is not the same one so with with uh, Supergirl. It's its own well, and that
0: So that, that would explain why Kara hasn't been around.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: we, we were often wondering, well, why isn't Kara you know, showing up? Interesting.
2: Yeah, it is its well, I own think that Earth makes... without any of them. And I'm I'm happy with that because
0: keep same.
2: that CW taint off of it.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, keep the keep your Arrowverse crap off my Superman and Lois. Yeah, I'm down for that as well. It's just weird when you see John Diggle show up, you know.
2: Yeah, but apparently it's not the same version. And uh, for those of us that watch the end of Arrowverse, apparently in a recent crossover, they finally wrapped up the storyline of him getting the Green Lantern ring. He made the choice. Yeah, he made the choice not to use it and just threw it away. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that just is a big F you to every, anyone that did watch and enjoy him.
0: Well, I I I just super enjoyed uh, Superman and Lois this season. It I think it comes back in March of next year. Uh, you know, having already been picked up for season three, I, it's just it's just very entertaining and does not have any of that CW uh, stink on it. it. It feels very much its own thing. And it's a good show.
2: Yeah, I want to see him do a little bit more with John next season, because really, we went from season one in the beginning. Clark was close to John and like nothing to do with Jordan, really. And then Jordan gets power. So suddenly they're best buddies. And then Clark is ignoring John.
0: So there are there are a lot of Johns in this show. You've got his son, you know, Jonathan, his son, Jonathan. You've got John Henry Irons and then you've got John Diggle. I mean, that's a lot of Johns. And yet only one bathroom. Just saying
2: <laughs> online. There's so many memes about the fact that the uh, the Cushing's they have uh, the young Sophie. She just seems mm-hmm. to be forgotten and not around most all the, of the time. time. Yeah. All so there's a the lot time. of jokes about how when she awakens and gets her powers of a God that they're all going to pay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Sophie's going to Sophie's going to set shit right. Yeah. 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 OK, so our last book of the day, uh, Superman, Superman's Son of Kal-El, issue number 13. What do we think? You
1: know, um, you had I, I guess this character Dreamer, um, you know, what, yeah, a, a couple of things about this character Dreamer. Uh, I guess the the character was introduced in, in the Supergirl TV series, which I right. didn't watch. Um, it also says the dynamic debut of Dreamer, though the character is introduced in a way that I'm like, wait, it. Like I feel like I've missed something. Like has this character been around? Apparently not. But they they just kind of roll right into it. Um, you know, like almost like the character's been around. I, I you know, I, I I will say the one thing I like about this book, Superman Son of Kal El, is the interconnectivity with the rest of the DC universe in a way that mm-hmm. that you know, um, obviously especially with Nightwing, um, you know, because Dick Grayson is very much almost like a supporting character in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed how Tom Taylor has kind of integrated other characters from the DC universe in a very organic way that every issue doesn't feel like a crossover, um, but feels like it's very ingrained in what's going on. And so I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, though I'm not familiar with the character of Dreamer, uh, she seems really interesting. And uh, I like the character design and she seemed kind of fun. So I, I enjoyed this issue. And it was nice to see Clayton Henry back on art because I think there was some fill in art for a few issues. Uh, And Clayton Henry is definitely better. I have one complaint about the art, and it's minor, but
0: it is one complaint. There is a panel in the book, spoilers, where a woman is bound into a chair and bad things are about to happen to her. uh, And she looks exactly like Lois.
2: I had the same thought when I saw the page. I thought, did they grab Lois until they actually give the character's name?
0: Yeah, and I was like, okay, you, this, you guys needed to have designed this character a little bit differently because she looks – the way the, the artist drew her, she looks exactly like Lois. If oh, there not yeah, been any dialogue talking. on the page, I would have said, oh my god, that's Lois, and that's exactly what I did when I turned the page. I'm like, holy crap. They're going to do something bad to Lois. And, you know, I I love Lois. You can't you can't mess with my Lois Lane, (laughs) you know, and uh, I mean, because, you know, that would be a that would be a uh, a real break point for Jonathan, I think. Um, And so I was like, oh, shit, what are we doing? Oh, that's not what I and, you know, on the other side, I don't really care about this character. Uh, (laughs) You know, we don't know. We don't know her very well. And so the only thing that I, I, I feel about that is that, well, that's going to be, that's going to suck for you know, John's boyfriend because uh, it's his mother that's in there. And that's certainly yeah. going to have a, a secondary effect on Jonathan when his, uh, his boyfriend has to deal with that. But I, I just, I, I really thought that it, it, uh, it didn't work, that page. I, I feel like they needed to do a different design on, on his mom. But other than that, I agree with everything you said, Paul. I love how integrated these books are uh, with Tom Taylor's, with the, with the other books Tom Taylor's writing. Um, I I did not stick with Legion of Superheroes, and you know part of this character that they debuted in this book uh, is linked to one of the Legionnaires, yeah. and I didn't I didn't read any of that. Um, I think I I jumped jumped out of Legion of Superheroes at like issue three. Uh, just because it was just because of the bendus of it all. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I I I really dislike how they incorporate stuff from the CW in these books. Um. But hopefully this character won't be too obnoxious. Yeah, yeah I
2: I disliked everything they did with Supergirl at, around these seasons. But the character here I had no issue with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did. I didn't find her too obnoxious here. And and I'll just I'm cautiously optimistic. I trust Tom Taylor. So hopefully he uh, he uh, executes here. And I think I did like the
2: character in CW as well. I just don't like the show that she was on. Sure. Well, in
1: two final things that I'll say about the issue. One, it's funny because the, the character Dreamer says, oh, don't worry, your dad's coming back to Earth. He'll be right. alive. And I'm like, okay. Well we know Well now you've spoiled Dark Crisis and the War World saga for me. Right. But I mean not right. no big surprise, obviously, it's Superman, but it's just kind of funny how that was just kind of nonchalant. Right
2: yeah. And, but and I second, love the tear that Jonathan has.
1: Yeah. yeah. And um the second point is the uh you know, the characters that look similar, and I've complained about this before. I wish they'd given Bendix some hair <laughs> or something because He, you know, especially in scenes where he looks, where he's interacting with Lex Luthor, it's like two Lex Luthers (laughs) just talking to each other. Well, he just Um, needs that
0: little curly cue of hair like Charlie Brown. That's all he needs.
1: Just give him a rat tail or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, speaking of Tom Taylor books, we have the new issue of Nightwing coming out from DC Comics. Um, we also have the next uh, Dark Crisis Young Justice issue. I never read issue one, um, so I feel like I should read that to determine if I'm going to read issue two. Um, we also, you know, this week in DC Books, they've advertised a spinoff of the DC vs. Vampire book called DC vs. Vampire's all out war, and it looks like it features characters like Deathstroke and Azrael, Booster Gold, Bane, Deadman, Constantine. Um, so the first issue of that comes out next week as well. Um, from Marvel Comics, we have Defenders Beyond, the the new Al Ewing uh, Javier Rodriguez Defenders book. Um, from IDW, we have a new um, creator owned book from Scott Snyder called Dark Spaces Wildfire. Um, so it's a, it's kind of – it looks like it's kind of a supernatural firefighter type story. And from Image Comics, a book that we meant to talk about this week but forgot, um, Skybound X, number 25, <laughs> comes out next week um, featuring uh, previews of upcoming books. Uh, we've got Robert Kirkman, Joshua Williamson. Uh, A number of different creators previewing or showcasing short stories featuring Battle Beast from Invincible, uh, the upcoming series Dark Ride, and a a number of other books. And that book comes out next week as well.
0: Exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, I O M Geek, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal! Well, hey, San Diego Comic Con is coming right up, so I'm sure we will be, uh, you know, commenting on the news coming out of that uh, in, in in the next week. So keep an eye on our feeds, and uh, we will chat with you after the con. See you then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.
1: stuff. Yeah, I to- I, we totally forgot about that uh, Skybound book. Yeah, I totally forgot about reading it. It's, did um, you read it, Paul? I did. I didn't love it. I but... really liked one or two of the stories. The Battle Beast was not the one or two. No. And Dark Ride and Dark Ride was the one I was looking forward to, but there's really no meat on that bone. <laughs> um, for But I'll just, I'll pick up the first issue, but it's, it's, every... It's funny because the book is what 52 pages. It's not a small book, but every story felt so short that I didn't really get anything out of them. Um I liked Chroma. I think that was probably my favorite one. The one about um like the the creatures that hunt anything that has color on it. I I liked I think that was my favorite of the the four.
2: Yeah, I can't remember the stories that right now on it. I just remember really liking one or two of them. And I think one of them gave me like a Mouse Guard feel. Yes,
1: yeah, Scurry. That was the last one. And that was pretty yeah. decent, too. Um, I, I didn't like it. I mean, it, it's like a post-apocalyptic mouse story. Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, like the last two, I think, were the strong ones. But um, yeah, the Battle Beast one was just really kind of a throwaway, fun little, you know, Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley thing, but nothing, no meat on those bones. But I'm glad I didn't pay for it. So I'll say that about it.